Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Christy Childers has used her all-star relationship building capabilities with influencers and talent agencies to create dynamic, successful brand awareness and sales campaigns with global brands such as Brita, Go-Go Squeeze, Pretty Little Thing, and Primark. She leads her team to tailor social-first strategies to not only meet but also exceed client objectives while working cross-functionally within her organization to analyze and create influencer-driven concepts from ideation through project execution. She's the head of influencer talent at Social Chain in the U.S. She's one of the best interviews we've had on this podcast, and I am so excited for you guys to tune in. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Thank Christy. you. It's so good to have you here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So first and foremost, a fellow Florida girl. Yes. Floridian. Yes. Which city are you from? So I grew up in a town called Bradenton uh, on Anna Marie Island. Amazing. Yeah. Do you get back there often? Um, so... I, I now try to go back more often. When I first moved to New York, I was really bad. I didn't go home for two years, oh, wow. never once. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I finally cracked and I was like, I need to go home. Yeah. Um, so now I make an effort to go like once every three months or so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Actually. You went from one extreme to the other. Yeah. I, um, I'm definitely like a, an ocean baby um, and I need the ocean. Uh, so once I was away from it for so long and then we sort of like reunited, um, it was done from there. So how do you feel about living in New York? Um, it's a, it's an interesting experience. I think I work really well with it. I think it works well with me. Um, I definitely have grown to know that every couple months I need to get out of the city to somewhere very different. And I actually made a new year's resolution for 2019. That was, I would, I would travel once a month by plane, train, car, whatever, um, whether it was for work or play, but I would get out of the city once a month. Um, and I've, I've met it every month. Good for you. That's great. (laughs) I could not agree with you more. I say like my threshold is like, probably three months, mm-hmm. but that's pushing it. Yeah. Like if I could get out once a month, yeah. that would be amazing. Like in the winter, my threshold Ooh. is way lower than three months. hundred um, percent. February comes and I'm absolutely stir crazy. Oh my God. I'm so glad that you, I'm not glad that you feel this way, but I'm glad because I feel like I can relate. You're not alone. Yeah. Because like being from the South, you mm-hmm. know, like it's such a huge transition. So different. In so many ways, in every way. I was just having this conversation mm-hmm. with somebody who just moved here. He's 18 years old. He's 18. Oh. And he is from Virginia. And he was like, you know, it's a big transition. Like, I don't understand this, like, AC in the window thing. (laughs) And, like, going to a laundromat. Yeah. And, like, not having an elevator. And everything's Mm kind of old here. And, like... In my opinion, that's a lot of the charm of New York. Yeah. But it's a big transition. The biggest thing for me, which a lot of people don't think of, is ceiling fans. Oh my God. I miss 
ceiling fans yes. so much and yes. I want to like install one in my apartment. I'm yes. just like, I need a fan on the ceiling and not oh standing yes. up against the wall, like next to my bed. Yes. I just it's want it on the ceiling. It's a, it's a better experience holistically. Yes, 100%. So. And like, I, I, I can, oh my God, we're such Floridians. Yeah. We're such Floridians because I'm sitting here and I'm like, I know because when I first moved here and it's like, I couldn't sleep well uh-huh. because you're the just fans not on. the air moving. Yeah. <laughs> I always say like, I want to, I want to buy real estate and my dream is to like blow out an apartment and just redo it completely. And I have always said the first thing that's going in that apartment, ceiling fans, every room. Yes. 100 freaking percent. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That's so funny. Um, so being in New York, what's your favorite part of New York? My favorite part, honestly, I just, I love to just walk around. I love to explore. Um, I feel like I've been here now for about four years and I feel like I have seen so much of it, but then it's always so refreshing when I'm in an area and I sort of stumble across like a street or like a little, a little corner that I've never seen before. And it's something special and new. Um, so I just feel like even though Manhattan itself is pretty small, I feel like I'm always finding new fun things. So what do you have a favorite neighborhood? Um, I love spending time in West Village. I feel like a lot of my like favorite uh, restaurants and bars are there. Um, I love, I just have such a soft spot for Washington Square Park. It's one of my favorite places. I love to go there and sit and read and people watch and lay in the grass. I'm a big fan of like laying in the park and rolling around in the grass. <laughs> so <laughs> I love to just go and sort of plant myself there for like a day and just uh, like be one with nature, if you will. Yeah. And I feel like that's a place I can kind of do that. I love that. And so uh, we were talking before we started recording and you are moving to Williamsburg. Yes. The office. The office. The (laughs) office store. The office is moving to Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about the office. Yeah, for sure. So tell everybody a little bit about how you guys work with influencers. Yeah. So uh, I work at a company called Social Chain. Um, I started there about a year and a half ago. The company itself started in Manchester, uh, England. Uh, And we have a big office there. We have a couple satellite offices around uh, the UK and Europe um, and New York City is really our first venture into the US um, and I joined uh, it was in about year two when I joined and it was still really small I think I was like the ninth or tenth employee at the time um, and how many employees do you guys have right now about we're at about th- I think 35 or so right now yeah, yeah so it's been a, a lot of great growth since I started um, it's been a really special experience I feel like I've watched the company sort of grow at a really cool time Um, And I feel like so honored to have been a part of it. And uh, yeah, so I'm our head of influencer talent in the New York office. Um, We also have an influencer team in the UK, which is the most fabulous team ever. I'm so (laughs) blessed to have them. And, uh, you know, the way we work with influencers is every way. We kind of do everything with partnering with them. Um, We work with them as content creators for our brands. We work with them as podcast hosts for brands that we're launching podcasts for. We work with them in the traditional influencer marketing sense of testing our products, posting about them across their socials. Um, We work with them in on-the-ground events, all kinds of different things. Um, And I think that's something that I've really enjoyed about working at Social Chain. We're working with influencers in every way Mm -hmm. and as partners and not just in the traditional sense. So it's always... um 
it's always fun and we're promoted to think out of the box in the way that we're doing everything all the time so if I can find a different way to work with influencers I, I usually do <laughs> yeah and so like let's talk about podcasts a little bit yeah. not just because you're on one right now or doing <laughs> one right now but also just because you know I spoke to someone just like a couple days ago and they're like it's like the shiny new thing it's so fun and so talk to us about your experience working with influencers via podcasts yeah so podcast is sort of a new venture at least for the US office um, our UK office has been doing it for a bit longer um, and it's just really interesting when the brand wants to launch a podcast because it allows them to create this really intimate space to connect with people who already are either a part of their journey or are joining them from a recommendation from someone else and I think that influencers I mean, at the end of the day, influencers are people. And that's like my biggest thing always. They're just people. I hate even calling them influencers sometimes. Same. But I just feel like no matter what brand it is and whatever podcast content you're launching, like you can definitely find an influencer who is so ingrained in what you're going to be talking about, who is either going to be a great host or just a great guest to come on and sort of give their insight. And obviously, as you're aware, all influencers are launching their own podcast now. And so I'm basically like in heaven, like <laughs> there's just always a podcast from an influencer I love launching. So there's just always all this digestible audio media for me to get my hands on. And so I'm just very inspired when our brands are coming to us and they're wanting to launch podcasts and they're wanting to make influencers a part of that equation for them because it's an intimate equation, I feel like. Um, so it's always, you know, it's just flattering that they see the value in, in having them on their podcast and be a part of it versus just having their brand team run it and, you know, just it being them. I think um, giving influencers their platform to sort of be a part of the experience is really cool. What I find most interesting about influencers via podcasts is that there's a very specific type of influencer that can that can run with a podcast, mm -hmm. that can like handle doing a podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's just as frequent content as any other platform. Uh -huh. I mean, you have to be consistent about it. But in addition to that, like you have to carry an hour, 30 mm -hmm. minutes minimum of, of conversation. Yeah. Um, and there are influencers that take fantastic photos, mm -hmm. but can't really do video. Yeah. And like those types of influencers, usually the reason sometimes the reason is, is yeah. because, you know, they don't feel comfortable in some yeah. instances, like having in-depth conversations, mm -hmm. you know, they're a little For bit sure. of a, like there's some people who, you know, there's some people who, who enjoy taking photos and not yeah. doing videos or not doing podcasts. I'll just yeah. leave it there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm big on, um, I mean, I, when we're casting a campaign for like anything, I obviously am looking at their content and their engagement rate and all the things, but I am actually like the queen of Instagram stories. Like if we're, if you're going to work on a campaign with me, I've watched your Instagram stories like a lot. I and love that. I, and so why? What do you get from it? That's how you, that's how you can tell. And not even specifically just for podcasting any campaign for me, really. I feel like Instagram stories is really where people's personality can come out. I mean, it's a great place for them to just sit and create micro content that you're sort of, you know, watching all day, every day and really getting to know them. And like, you can see if someone is comfortable on camera, you can see if someone is comfortable speaking out loud to people. You can see if people have, you know, a speaking voice and the way that they carry themselves. And it's in my opinion, the most personal form of like anything we're doing on social, um, like Everyone who knows me knows I sit around and watch Instagram stories from influencers literally all day. And people at the office are probably like, what are you doing? Like, what are you watching all day? I'm just like, this is like quite literally my job. Um, so I'm always just watching 
their stories and learning about their lives. Um, there's some influencers I feel so deeply ingrained in their daily lives that if I miss their stories, I'm like, what are they doing? Where are they? <laughs> Did they go to the grocery store? I need to know about the unboxing hall. So, and so um, do you use some of that information when you're speaking to your brand partners? Like, Oh, like, sure. cause I'm sure you're getting so much. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, it's so for smart. Sure. It's just a tactic to like, it's like, it's like interviewing someone or hiring someone. Mm-hmm. It's like, what questions do I need to ask to make sure this is the right candidate? Uh-huh. Same thing for influencers. It's like, how do I do my due diligence to make sure that, you know, this person is going to be the best fit for this mm-hmm. campaign. And so it's so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But no one's really articulated that on this podcast ever. Watching there. <laughs> You're the one. Well, You're our values one. at Social Chain are first fearless and ever changing. So I'd like to think that I'm trying to live those values consistently. Yeah. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I'm able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so like talk to me about like some things that you've gleaned from watching Instagram stories and when the value of those things that you've gleaned from. Yeah. I think that I've always been really lucky working with influencers and sort of the way that I stumbled into my career, um, which I feel like I stumbled into. I've always just loved influencers ever since it sort of got popular and started. Like I was a big MySpace fiend. Like I was a MySpace girl for sure. And I like followed all those people who were building MySpace followings. And then, you know, everything moved over to Facebook and they were building Facebook pages and then Instagram launched. And it was like, okay, well the game's changed completely. Um, And I have just always been a part of finding those people and like being a part of their lives. Um, I always say that people and influencer marketing will always mesh together and thrive because people are just inherently nosy and <laughs> they just want to know what's going on in other people's lives. That's um, true. And obviously like a lot of influencers as well, it's aspirational content. So it allows you to sort of look uh, through life at a different lens that maybe you wouldn't have access to. So I think Instagram stories is great for that because you get to see into, you know, intimate sections of these people's homes and like their relationship dynamics with like their significant other, or maybe like their kids or their parents, or, you know, you get to see their dogs, you get to see what they're eating on a daily basis. And I think an insight, any insight that's great to pull from that is, um, you know, when you're consistently thinking about, okay, how can I find ways to partner influencers with my brands is that when you're so deeply in their home, you know, say you're working for a furniture brand, if you watch their stories all the time, you're going to be the first person to know that they're moving, they're redecorating, they're getting rid of their couch and they're looking for a new couch. And that is an automatic piece and moment where you can just swoop straight in and be like, I think this is a great fit. Or, you know, their kids are having, I don't know, dietary health issues. And you're like, I literally represent a brand that is a perfect healthy snack for kids. So I think this is the time to send a surprise and delight. So I think that watching stories consistently allows you to not only be like on the pulse, but like ahead of the pulse. Cause if you see it first and you send something first, then you're winning. And it disappears within 24 uh-huh. hours. It's ephemeral so, content. Right. You live for ephemeral content. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be fast and quick like a cheetah. Right. <laughs> and like, if you're the one who's fast and quick, like not only yeah. are you going to get it first, but then like you're assured that yeah. nobody else is going to get or it even after if you, you. you know, even if you don't jump on it in that moment and, and like send a package that day, sure. it's like that's information you can store and be like, okay, I know we're about to start casting for this campaign for this furniture brand or something where we need people who are moving and redecorating. I'm like, okay, well, I've just seen this 10 times. So I know about 10 people that are moving and redecorating. So smart. (laughs) So that's a little bit about how you source and cast campaigns. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, you know, the actual campaign itself. Once you found the right people and they're all perfect because you've watched all their Instagram (laughs) stories. 
what makes a successful marketing campaign and what would you say is like a really solid tip to having one? Like what are you guys doing? For sure. I mean, I would say the success obviously varies across client, you know, whatever their KPI is, whether it's impressions or their reach or, um, you know, finding out certain information from a consumer group. Um, I would say in my personal opinion, my favorite thing to do at the end of a campaign, um, if it's a, if it's like a campaign basis, if it's always on, I'm just always reevaluating things for my clients. But, um, if it's on a campaign basis, I legitimately love nothing more than at the end going through every single post and reading sentiment analysis, like understanding and pulling comments about like what consumers really thought about this content and understanding sort of their thought process behind when they look at it, if they feel like this is a genuine piece of content that they resonate with and they understand and the content understands them. I love to learn about that. Mm -hmm. Um, I love to learn about consumer behavior. I think it's the most interesting thing, which is why I think influence marketing has always been a great career choice for me. Um, Mm -hmm. It's you're working with a consumer who's then speaking to other consumers. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's epic. Um, and I would say that the most important part of creating a successful campaign is like before you ever start the sort of research about the influencers before you ever start outreach and casting them. Like you have to know your brand that you're working on like so deeply. You have to understand their ethos, their values, what they're trying to achieve, everything. And then from there, it's your job to cast the best influencers. And I think like you can cast an influencer campaign very quickly and very easily in a lazy sense in a way. And if you really want to go the extra mile and make everything super special for your client, like you take the extra hours in the day to find people and think of people you've worked with in the past who you've had these conversations with. Like I work with, you know, like a fashion influencer pretty regularly. And I knew that she was really interested in promoting more about eco sustainability because she felt like it was something she wasn't great at and she wanted to get better at. So we were recently launching a campaign for Britta completely around single use plastic bottle waste. And I immediately thought of her and everyone was like that's interesting like she's sort of like a fashion influencer and she doesn't seem like she's really promoting eco-sustainability and I was like yeah but we had a conversation that she is self-aware that she wants to be better about eco-sustainability so this is a perfect opportunity for her to kick it off and like start speaking about that and and weaving it into her platform and like her brand story Mm -hmm. um and it was a great fit her content resonated with every one of her audiences loved it and you know, it was amazing content. She was, she knocked it out of the park. And so. it was because it was authentic mm-hmm. to her too, um, which is just interesting. I mean, you know, what you're describing, you know, I wonder as a business person, like mm-hmm. how scalable that is, mm-hmm. like watching all these people's Instagram yeah. stories constantly <laughs> and, you know, just knowing all these minute details. And I think from the influencer's perspective, mm-hmm. even it's like, is there anything that they can be doing to communicate mm-hmm. that in a, an easier way for you guys to yeah. Fine. Yeah. I, I've had some, some influencers in the past and obviously I work very close with talent agencies like yourself. So I, if I have sort of a specific ask or like a specific understanding of a subject matter that I'm looking for, I'll usually go to an agent first and be like, this is what I'm looking for. Do you have any talent that, you know, fall into this category? And a lot of times they'll know and they'll say, yes, I definitely can find you someone. So Um, outsourcing a little bit. Outsourcing a bit is really helpful. And then I've, I've had influencers direct 
directly come into me, maybe like quarterly saying, Hey, just wanted to check in. This is sort of what I've been up to. This is content I've been working on. These are content threads. I'm really looking to explore. These are some out of the box topics that I'm like looking to start talking about. If you have anything, like, let me know. And those emails are just so fleeky. Like I, when those roll into my (laughs) inbox, I'm like, yes, you are doing it right. That is right. And so somebody does that. Let's say five people do that. And then, uh, a year, not a year, (laughs) even like two months from then, like you have a campaign for that. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you remember who those people were? Like, how do you keep track of this stuff to be able to refer back to it and actually use that information when you don't happen to have a campaign, like going on that moment? Yeah. So I am like the queen of the inbox tabs. My entire (laughs) Gmail is color coded by client. The second an email comes into my inbox before I even read it, it gets a, it gets a color. I love that. So what are some of your tabs? Like what are the categories? So each of the clients has their own tab and it's colored. Mm -hmm. Um, I have like a media kits and rate cards tab. I have like an inbound request tag. Um, I have a new business tag. Um, I have a potential partners tag. All types of things. So normally I will immediately file it away into a tab. And then when re- upon responding to the influencer, I'll let them know, hey, this is so awesome. I have, um, I don't know, a CPG client in mind. I don't have anything yet, but let me get back to you. Mm-hmm. Then in my head, I know that I can type into my inbox CPG client and all of those will come up that I've like said that back to someone. And so, so you're emailing out and using your words methodically yes. enough so that you can refer back to so it. So that my brain can search it again. Yeah, It exactly. makes a lot of sense though. I, uh, it's, I constantly feel like I'm like playing like little tricks on my brain. <laughs> I, it's very weird. I've done it my whole life. I just like find little ways that I'm like, future me will be really pleased with past me. Oh if my you God, do this I right love now. you so much right now. <laughs> I love that. It's just so freaking smart. I'm like methodical to a point that it's it's sick. Sometimes it's just too organized sometimes, but I have to be. Um, so how else are you? I want to hear more. How uh, else are you organized to, uh, you know, to that degree? Well, at work, I'm like an insane to-do lister. So whether that's a handwritten to-do list or like we use Basecamp as a project management tool, whether that's putting everything in my Basecamp. My Google, I live by the Google calendar. If it's not in the Google calendar, it doesn't exist to me. Um, when I have to get thrown into like random last minute things, I'm like, okay, we can do this. Like, it, uh, I try to plan my calendar like very far in advance. And then as far as like my personal life goes, my closet is color coded. Like everything is Love in a it. section that's color coded. It runs by like a rainbow starting with white moving into black. So how, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. So your closet is color coordinated. Yes. How, talk to me about like what that really truly helps you with. I'm sure it helps you. Oh, you gotta do it for a reason. I mean, it's, So I have this theory that I have, I feel like a life that's always been very chaotic in like every sense of the word, whether it's like personal work, anything. So I think my whole life, I've always looked for ways to streamline the things that I can control. So that way those things are almost 
you know, they just come second nature. So like I food shop ahead of the week. I prep all my meals, like color coordinating my closet. I know that when I wake up, sometimes I feel like wearing a certain color or maybe I have a certain top in mind. I can go grab that immediate item within 0.5 seconds. I know exactly where it is. There's no searching. Um, It doesn't add like extra stress to my day. And I think like menial things like that, like they should not be adding extra stress to your day. That's absolutely unnecessary. So any way that I can eliminate unnecessary just tasks. Um. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. I do. Um, and so you're like an efficiency fiend. Yes, I okay, in same. every aspect of my life. Okay, same. Yes. But I want to hear more. Like in what other ways? <laughs> um, so. I, I mean, I'm an efficiency fiend to like the fact that it's definitely obsessive compulsive disorder for sure. Um, <laughs> I have like everything set out in my shower in a certain way. And when I pick up something, everything goes back into the same place that it was mm-hmm. because I know that when I go back next time, it will be there in 100%. the exact same way that I left it. Yes. Um, yeah. When I was younger and my mom hates this about me still to this day. When I was younger, for some reason, my mom would always go into my bathroom and she would touch my stuff. And I think that she did it because she knew that I was like too obsessive about where I put things and sort of where things go. And so I think she wanted to shake me up a little bit. She's always trying to push me out of my comfort zone. That's very my mom's vibe. Um, And so she would go into my bathroom and she would just touch all my stuff for no reason. And she, I was cleaning. I'm like, uh, I I would be jarred. Like I would come home and everything would be in a different place. And I would just have like a mental fit and be like, I have everything laid out in a certain way so I can find it. And I know where it is. Why are you doing this to me? You're ruining my life. Like typical, typical teenager, typical teenager. And I'm just like, I look back on it and I'm like, honestly, if she was like, quote unquote, ruining my life over moving the stuff in my bathroom, I think we had it pretty good. So, so did she help you by doing that? Cause that was her intention. I think that, I, over the years, I've definitely become better at adapting to change. I would say like, I'm a nester. I like to be in my environment. I don't love to move. The first time we moved within New York city, I was like, everything has to go perfectly. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to handle this. So I'm, I'm a nester. Um, I, I'm the type of person at my desk at the office. Like I have stuff all over my desk, like picture frames. I have a plant that I've had since my very first day and my very first job. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. So I think that her always doing those like little things when I was younger probably made me a bit more adaptable. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like, I mean, it could have very well been like debilitating. Um, <laughs> sure. so sure. yeah, I think that I've gotten better as I've, as I've grown older to be more adaptable in every situation. Um, so it's definitely been like an uphill battle. I feel like that whole process, but, um, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good place on it now. Yeah. And so, I'm sure people listening can relate. Like there are definitely some people listening. They're like, Oh my God, I don't feel alone. Like that is what I go through. She is like, is she in my brain right now? And so talk to us about, you know, being, uh, you know, being a business person and, you know, you found your way to influencer marketing and generally speaking, influencer marketing is a, 
instable and unstable, mm-hmm. constantly evolving and changing, yeah. um, you know, a little bit manic at times. Mm-hmm. There's just so many balls up in the air. Manic is a good so, word. Yeah. yeah. And so like real talk, like, you know, for somebody who likes, you know, to have roots and for somebody <laughs> who likes things, how you like them. Like, how did I get here? <laughs> well, like, how do you, I'm sure that the, you face challenges sometimes yeah. because of the nature of the business and, you know, you know who you are so yeah. well. And so like, how do you work your way through that? For sure. I think that working in influencer marketing. So yeah, working in something that's like so manic, I feel like was sort of a sick, like, way of my own design, you know, like I almost put myself in that situation because I do try to put myself out of my comfort zone as much as I can. So I think by getting into something like this, um, you know, I very easily could have gone and like worked at a traditional ad agency doing something a bit more stable and a bit more predictable every day. That was very much on the table for me. And I somehow like ended up in the social media space where I knew everything was just going to be constantly changing and moving all the time. And I guess at the time I saw that really exciting and, and something that would push me to be different and to be better every day. Um, I think that my um, my need for uh, stability and my need for uh, things to be just sort of uh, streamlined has has been me my whole life, and I always knew that that was something that needed to be worked on. Mm-hmm. So I think that by joining sort of an industry like this, it was my design to like be better. Um, and I think that it's it's all about just doing things for yourself that are self care methods that are really important i don't think that you can thrive in an industry that's moving so fast so quick all the time if you're not taking care of yourself um and that's like uh, like i said uphill battle it's something i've been dealing with for a long time far before i started working in social media so i think for me it's just like really important that when i'm at work i'm at work and i'm fully tuned in and i'm dialed and i'm like cranking out my best work but then when i leave it's so important for me to shut it down go home like watch tv eat a really good dinner go work out i work out four times a week like i have to do that um i have to every day like eat a certain amount of food and drink a certain amount of water like i need to do these things for myself to keep myself fueled and keep going um i feel like if you don't fuel yourself in an industry like this you'll burn out completely the burnout is real it's so real Mm -hmm. it's very real and so you know Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, you know, I we were talking before we started recording. You turn off email at what time? When I leave work, I shut my computer and I've deactivated email off my phone completely. So it's not on my phone. How long have you been – like, how long has this been a thing for you? So like, have you been able to do that for? I, I tried to do it last year. Mm-hmm. And then I – got very adamant on it around uh, October of last year moving into like February was sort of the transition period like I would shut my computer but I would still have you know my email on my phone every now and then I would check it but come like February I got really adamant about just like needing to focus a lot on myself Um, I was going through like a very rough time like earlier in the year and sort of like into the back end of last year and it just came to a point where I was like okay this is sort of like a uh, a fork in the road. Like I can either choose to continue what I'm doing and burning myself out. um, And that was totally by my own design. No one was asking that of me. I was just, you know, overexerting or I can like really crack down and I can like make rules for myself and I can do these things to take care of myself that are really important. Um, So yeah, I would say for a solid like 
five, six months now. Like the email's not been on my phone. I don't look at it on my phone. I shut my computer when I leave work and I turn my phone on do not disturb at 9 p.m. So nothing, even like personal stuff doesn't really come in after 9 p.m. Um, unless it's an emergency, like someone, I don't know, double call me right, if they sure, need. But sure. um, I try to just like stay away from my phone if I can. Um, obviously, like I'm not perfect. My mind races at night and I get on Instagram and like lurk before I go to bed or just sit up like, you know, lurking around on my phone. Um, but I would say I'm, I try to like be really cognizant of that when I am doing it so okay. that I can think like, why am I doing this today? What today sort of like set me off to the point where I want to be on my phone until 1230 at night mm-hmm. instead of going to bed. <laughs> and so people listening, I'm sure are like, some of them are very envious. Some of them are like, how does, how is she able to do create that mm-hmm. and architect that for herself? Being on the other side of it, meaning mm-hmm. that you've been, you've been doing it now for a matter of months and it's been achievable for you. Yeah. It's been obtainable for you. Um, tell everybody listening what it's like being on the other side and like, have you really missed out on things or has this been actually a positive thing for you? Such a positive thing. I think that for like the longest time, like in, you know, like my high school career, my college career, like moving into my actual career, I've just had like this intense case of spotlight effect where I just think like, if I don't do something on, you know, early or ahead of time or on time and I don't do something and it's perfect and amazing, like everyone's going to know and it's going to be a disaster and I'm going to feel like a total failure. And I think something that sort of like disconnecting from like my work hours and my personal life has taught me is that like if it's a true emergency, like you'll get a call about it and and you'll fix it and it, it'll work itself out. But otherwise, like everything can wait until tomorrow. And before I just like didn't believe that. I thought that was just a complete lie. I was like, I have to get this done today. And that was really just like me putting unnecessary pressure on myself that it wasn't benefiting anyone. Well, how do you feel like you got to that place though? Because I feel like that maybe was on your mind for a long time before you could actually implement it. I, implement it. Yeah, I think it's it's just a characteristic of who I've been my whole life. I'm a perfectionist, like a hundred percent, and I, like to a point where, like, even my mom constantly is like, "You need to take a chill pill." Literally, you're the only person who cares about this. No one cares. So, um, I just I got to the point where I was like, if I don't start to do this now. Um, you know, I'm 25, I'm turning 26 later this year and I'm at a, you know, a a very like high point in my career. I'm like, if I don't start doing this now, it's done. Like I'm never going to do it. So I need to like crack down the rule. And I, it it was hard, like very hard to sort of like separate everything. Cause I I had always been, you know, a work and life person was everything in one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, had to learn how to separate things. So that was a hard battle in itself. And then once I did it though, and I I was like successful at doing it like over the weekends and I wasn't checking my phone at nighttime and checking my email, I was like, wow, I feel so recharged. Mm -hmm. Like I can wake up the next day and feel like so much better about everything I'm doing. And like I had time to go home and actually like rest and be with myself and read and like spend time doing the things I enjoy doing. Like I got very heavily back into like fitness and working out, which was something I had sort of fallen off on for the past year. And I just feel like it changed like every aspect of my life. Um, I go to acupuncture once a week. That was a huge thing that started back in February as well. And something that has truly changed my life. Like I've never experienced anything like it. Um, and I think it was sort of like all at once, um, 
that's like kind of how I do things every every part of me. It's either not at all or it's all at once. So I dive like head first. Um, and I just, I was like, this is it. This is the decision that we're making now. Oh gosh. I'm, I'm envious of that (laughs) because I feel like I, you know, gosh, I'll like think of these things that I want to do personally. For me, it's, it's easy to do things for other people in business. And in my mind, I'm like, gosh, like I should shut off or I should do all these variety of different things for Mm -hmm. myself. But I like talk myself out of it sometimes. I'm just like, but there's other, there's this that needs to get done, this, and Mm -hmm. like it'll, it just gets put on the back burner. So like real talk, like I'm not 25. I'm (laughs) a lot older than you. And like, congratulations for like coming to this realization at 25, because Mm -hmm. the amount that you're going to be able to accomplish um, by the time you're my age and much older is huge. Yeah. I think a really good piece of advice I got um, from our managing director in the UK, Katie Leeson, she's a fab woman in business, literally incredible. And I think that a piece of advice that she gave me that really, really stuck is just that like you can get to it tomorrow and like it never ends like the emails never end the work never ends it never stops we're always moving so just just get done what you need to get done today and then pick back up on it tomorrow because it's never going to end it doesn't it really doesn't just do what you can in the day that you have and that's good enough and it has to be good enough and And control what you can control and and do what you can do yep and that was another thing she told me she's like you have to set rules for yourself Mm -hmm. you have to set rules and you have to stick to them Mm -hmm. and if you don't set them no one else will so you have to do it Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. And so, you know, talk about some of your mentors a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk a bit on this podcast. We talk a lot in women general about, you know, what it's like to be, you know, we're, it's very special in this industry that it is a predominantly female driven mm-hmm. industry. Um, but that being said, there are always, there are still in 2019 yeah. challenges about being a woman in business yeah. and, um, whether that, you know, is like, do you want to get married someday or have mm-hmm. kids or, uh, you know, just innate things. I've heard a lot of women on this podcast say, you know, I struggle asking for certain things yeah. or I feel like apologetic sometimes or am I coming off as to this, mm-hmm. to that, things like that. Standard, right? yeah. Standard, like inherent feeling. Sure. As a woman in business. Yeah. And so talk to me about, you know, maybe it's some of your mentors yeah. that have, what it, What have people taught you or what are things that you go mm-hmm. through and uh, go back and forth with yourself? Even? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think I've always been really, um, blessed in the fact that I was raised in an environment with a very strong female figure in business. My mom, uh, you know, my mom and my dad built their businesses together when they separated. My mom went off and built her own businesses. Um, and my dad always continued to do what he was doing and was very successful in it. So I grew up in an environment, number one, where my mother was extremely successful and tenacious and nothing was going to get in her way, which I definitely have inherited a lot of traits from that. Like I'm like a bulldozer. Like if something's in my way, like that's a joke to me. So that's just like a complete joke. So, um, I have that. And then I grew up with my dad who literally has always been like a, a very feminist man. All the men in my family are very feminist. They've always said, you know, like you can be whatever you want to be and, and you're going to, and, and we're going to find a way to make that happen for you, no matter what that is. So, and talk to me about like hearing that growing up, like in mm-hmm. hindsight, like 
what that has given you. It was so important to hear that. And I know how like lucky and blessed I should feel to have that. Cause I know so many people don't have that. Um, and I don't think I really realized until I was a bit older that like having, obviously my mom was a very important piece of it, but I think more importantly, having male figures in my life, like my grandfather, my dad, all of my uncles, like there is not a man in my family who would ever like demean a woman or think like a woman shouldn't be as successful as a man. Um, if anything, like I think the men in my family value successful women more than anything else. So I think that to have that from like such a young age and hear that all the time that like I can be whatever I want to be and like I'm a badass and no one's going to get in my way was just, it was the most valuable thing in the whole world. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, I came from my whole life has been very chaotic. My family situation's always been chaotic. My life has been very up and down all the time, but having like that sort of like inherent value from both of my parents, no matter what was going on in our lives, like that, I always knew that was like a, a point of support that like, if I wanted something, they would figure out a way to help me to find the tools to get there. Um, they would never give it to me, but they would be like, this is how you can do this. So go off and do that. Um, and leave me to my own devices, mm -hmm. which work pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've had really great mentors as well. I have had such amazing internships in the past um, and uh, leading into my first couple jobs and things like that. And I feel like at every one of those things, I have met a woman who's been very like high up and in power, who everyone very much respected and had a lot to say about them in a positive light. And I feel like I always really gravitated towards those women and, and uh, learned a lot from them. Um, and then I would say like on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm so inspired by my friends. I just like run with this like really great group of girls who are just like killing it every single day. Um, and that's like people I met like growing up, people I met in college and people I met in New York city. And like, we're all still so close and they're just all over the country doing these like really epic things. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't believe like I have this group of people who are so badass like mm -hmm. around me every day and supporting me and like cheerleading for me. So I think that it was like growing up, had my parents as the stability as I got older, the mentors of women in business. And then like now in my life, just like stumbling along the way and like figuring things out. My friends and like are the best cheerleaders. And I think having the cheerleaders are so important. So important. And plus like not everybody is fortunate enough, mm -hmm. like you said, to grow up with, you know, parents with these incredible values yeah. that your parents have. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, you can make the choice to surround yourself with positivity. Yeah, and you can make the choice to be that person. I think it's really important not only to surround yourself, but you have to be that person for other people because you don't know what they came from and you don't know their past experiences always. And it's like maybe they didn't have that when they were younger, but like you can be that point of stability for them now and you can be that point of value. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's really important to give back to the people who support you to be like a pillar for them. And you, what you put, I'm such a firm believer what you put out into the universe is what you get back oh, the secret is everything yes it's yes. Uh, yeah a positive mental attitude and it's everything and it just like putting out that energy and like maybe it is someone um who's like just out of school very impressionable mm -hmm. and comes from a family that was absolutely not supportive mm -hmm. of that imagine if you're you know working with that person let's say they're an intern in your company and you have a little bit of face time with them and all of that like encouragement and 
like you're their cheerleader mm-hmm. and you hype them up. Like imagine the things that you're going to unlock in them yeah. and that they feel now so comfortable mm-hmm. to be able to explore, mm-hmm. you know, being ambitious all of a sudden yeah. and having this confidence mm-hmm. all of a sudden and, and what you can unlock could be incredible. Yeah. Just giving them, some people need permission. Yeah. Because maybe they didn't have it when they were younger. You know, exactly. they, they came from maybe like a stricter environment, more structured, or maybe they didn't have the support or they had bigger things to worry about than like being creative and thinking out of the box and having the permission to like take up space in a room is also just so important. I feel like a lot of people don't feel that. And like you have the right to be in a room and bloom. Like you just, that's like my life phrase is be always blooming. It's, I wear a necklace that says it, it's like on my wall at home. It's just like the thing for me. And like, you have the right to bloom. Everyone does. Everyone does. And not everybody has been told that they can. Mm -hmm. And similarly, not everybody feels like they should or they can. So imagine again, like what you can unlock. Mm-hmm. If you were the person to give that other person permission to do yeah, it. Yeah, just to give them some permission and like just to be kind. Be kind. Like I feel like the I feel like kindness lacks a lot in business and it's really important and something that my CEO talks a lot about and something that's always really resonated with me ever since I started with the company is that like we care at social chain and like the amount the level of care that we put into things, whether it's like the actual work or with the people and like how we treat one another, like the care is so unbelievably important and it lacks in so many areas of business at a lot of places. And I think that's why I've fit into this business so well, because I know that I'm in a room full of people that care for one another on a deeper level than just being at the office. Like we care for each other as people. So it's really important. It's so important. Uh, there's so much more. I, I want to have you on another episode. <laughs> Happy to come back. <laughs> I'm going to have you part two on another episode. Because I told you when we started, I'm an open book. <laughs> I, you are, absolutely. And I just want to keep asking you a million other questions. So we're going to have you back. Woo-hoo! We're going to have you back. You already got another spot. Uh, because I have more questions. I'm sure other people have more questions. Yeah. So in the meantime... Um, where can everybody find you? Because I feel like people are going to so want to get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle, everyone makes fun of me. It's a very obscure handle from when I was younger. I'm sure you guys will link it, but it's Baby C is Love. I was always Baby C growing up and I love love. So there it is. So Baby C, the letter C. Baby C, baby with an I. So baby with an B-A-B-I-C-I-S-L-O-V-E <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter and everything else. I love to go on Twitter and mouth off and it's, it's a great time. <laughs> so first and foremost, follow her on Twitter and see if you, what she's talking about and then form an opinion and write her back. Yes. Write me back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we ask everyone this on the podcast okay. and I'm super excited to ask you this for sure. What do you wish that someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or personal advantage today? Oh, that's a really good one. I would say, and I, and, you know, I said it on the podcast earlier, it was something Katie Lisa, our MD in the UK said to me, like it never ends and like it can wait until tomorrow. It's really important to know that things in business can wait until tomorrow and you, you can't sacrifice your personal life and you can't sacrifice your personal well being and your mental health and all those things like for things that can wait until tomorrow. I love it. I love it. And like, if you 
don't believe that today because some people are skeptical of that or just mm-hmm. fearful, yeah. I would say, of that. Just keep repeating it to yourself yep. over and over Make and over. Make it a mantra. Make it a mantra. Mm-hmm. Try it out yeah. because you tried it out and it worked for you. Yeah, just test it even if it's yeah. for a week. Yeah, even if it's for a week. Um, you've been such a pleasure to have Thank on you. the podcast today. Um, we're going to schedule in part two very soon. Thank you. <laughs> it has been my honor to be here. Oh, you're the best. So appreciate you being here. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Whether you're buying a new car or used one, it's a big investment, which is why you should choose Pennzoil Platinum. It helps extend the life of your engine and protect it up to 15 years or 500,000 miles, whichever comes first, guaranteed. That's because Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas and 99.5% free from engine-clogging impurities. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Enrollment required? Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply? See Pennzoil.com warranty for full details. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.